K-Bubs, this is Cal Dodd. You're now listening to Geek Vibes Live. This is the greatest. Sorry. Uh, hey, guys, everyone out there, Geek Vibes Nation. This is the wonderful show called Wrestling Geeks Alliance, where we talk about, well, I mean, first word, <laughs> wrestling. And, uh, you know, we've had a uh, nice little week of wrestling, a uh, bunch of news that me and my good friend and co-host, Christopher Ray Patton. Christopher, sir, how are you doing tonight? I am doing swell, my good friend, Dane. Just ready to talk about some wrestling and uh, get the show on the road as always. How about you, man? How are you doing? I'm doing lovely, man. And like I said, so me and him, we're going to be going over some wrestling tonight. And uh, we're going to do a little bit of uh, some topic stuff to start off with. Then we will go into our Battleground predictions, followed by Raw and SmackDown for reviews for those shows, if we can get around to them. Me and Chris, we just like to cut up. We like to talk about stuff. You guys want to join the conversation, it is 929-477-3781. You'll be on hold at that point. Press 1, and we'll have you ask a question on the show. All right, Chris, let's, uh, let's go into some topics. So it's, it's, it's uh, been in a very, very interesting week uh, for Mr. Kurt Angle. Uh, it was revealed Monday night uh, after a long uh, build-up, basically, that Kurt Angle had a son. And we found out that it was none other than American Alpha member and uh, college, uh, college wrestler uh, Jason Jordan. And uh, very interesting situation. I had heard rumblings about this. I kind of thought it was Chad Gable they were referring to because they said it was one or the other, basically. Um, but uh, I don't have problems with the storyline. I have problems with the fact that Kurt Angle thought he was going to get in trouble from it. And I think Chris had the same thing, and he'll probably tell you his side on that in a second. Um, I, don't have, I don't have a problem uh, with that. I, I just have a problem with Kurt thinking that he should be, like, you know, worried or, or would be in trouble uh, for, for this, especially something like, you know, a son that he didn't know he had because the mother never told him about it. It didn't seem like it was that weird for people to think that it might be a female entity that he was having a relationship with outside of his wife's knowledge, uh, you know, with Stephanie or or Dixie Carter, obviously. Um, But my biggest thing is not so much the angle itself. It's it's a different thing altogether, but I'm going to let Chris go, and then I'll kind of go into my spiel about, WWE trying to recycle certain gimmicks, not realizing it's a wrestler that, that makes that certain gimmick. But, uh, Chris, how did you initially feel about this whole entire thing? Well, you know, I really enjoyed the build-up to it, and I thought it was, uh, you know, a good storyline in a world, in a wrestling world, as far as the WWE is concerned, that doesn't do a lot of long-term storylines that give you a good payoff. Well, they have feuds and stuff, but this was an actual storyline that we ended up getting a payoff for. Now, I know a lot of people maybe aren't as super hyped about, you know, it being Jason Jordan or it not being something a little darker to get, uh, as you said, Kurt, that Kurt should be worried about because he's selling this. Like, I mean, he actually said it was going to ruin him at one point, and I just, you know, that to me with this being the payoff just seems kind of silly. But outside of that, I think that, you know, people started tuning in this Raw had a pretty high rating in comparison to other Raws. I think this is like one of the highest ones since Mania. So 
Um, from that standpoint, it seems like it was pretty good for business. I have no problem with it being Jason Jordan. Um, I think he's a decent wrestler. He hasn't really proven himself as a singles competitor. But uh, if he can kind of play into some of the goofiness that, that Kurt has, and, and if Kurt's going to be a major part of his storyline, I think Kurt can help get him over. And um, if they give him some wins that mean something, I, I think that this could work. Um, the crowd seemed absolutely dead when this was the reveal. But the crowd yep. was also wanting the entire time Kurt Angle was doing his speech. So it could have been indicative of just that crowd. Um, I think they were in Nashville. Maybe it was just the Nashville crowd that didn't like it. Um, I was actually in a wrestling chat while this reveal was going on, and they seemed to all pop for it and were pretty excited. So uh, I kind of had, like, mixed feelings on whether people were into it or not. But either way, a lot of people are talking about it, and, and that's what you want for business. I mean – the key to it in reality is the follow-up, you know, now that we got the reveal out there, what are they going to do with him? Um, to me, they need to steer clear of putting him against someone like the Miz. Uh, I've heard him on the mic before, you know, Jason Jordan, and unless they're going to have Kurt Angle be more of a mouthpiece for him, I would be very careful against who you put him against as far as if he's going to have to have promos back and forth. I would say it's more important for him to get a good winning streak going much like Kurt Angle did in his uh, single career when he first came in. I think if they did something similar to that storyline and built off of it, it could be very good. But once again, I, 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 yeah. I kind of felt the way you were, where I thought this was going to be, well, uh, as everyone heard last week, if you listen to the show, I thought this was going to be an affair-type uh, story angle simply because Kurt was saying it, this was going to ruin him. So the idea of you know him just having a, um, a son by you know a woman that never – informed him that he had a son. She just put him up for adoption. It just kind of seemed, you know, odd that they went that route. So maybe there's something more coming on that, um, that side of the fence, or maybe this is, you know, the end of the reveal and they're just going to move on to pushing this guy. And if that's the case, that's awesome. I do feel a little bad for Chad Gable because he's out of tag partner and he's on SmackDown where there's not many people for him to go against at the moment. Um, well, Chris, and from before you go, no, into the last that, thing actually, I uh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll let you get back to it. But uh, since you brought up Chad Gable, it was – I forgot who reported it, but apparently WWE is going to be giving a big push to Chad Gable. So along with the promo that he did with uh, Renee last night about this whole entire thing, I think they're going to they're gonna treat Chad Gable pretty well, which sucks for some guys like Ty Dillinger and Luke Harper who can't even get on the whole entire thing. But Chad Gable really impressed people apparently with his match against AJ Styles. Sorry, just wanted to throw that in there. I'll give it back to you. No, no, it's cool, it's cool. Uh, the only other thing I was going to say about the, the Chad Gable thing um, is SmackDown as a whole seems to be losing talent, especially with John Cena being a free agent. And there doesn't seem to be any kind of trade for Jason Jordan, and they need to explain that in storyline because they do have a brand split. So now Jason Jordan's just on um, Raw, which I have a problem with once again. If you're going to do a brand split, do a brand split. Don't have people yeah. just swapping back and forth between Raw and SmackDown, um, and if you do that, you need to send someone to SmackDown as almost a trade. So that was one part of the storyline that I don't think anyone's talking about that bothered me more than anything else. Um, but yeah, I mean, o- overall, I'm okay with it. I think it's it's interesting. Um, it kept me intrigued. I just thought the uh, the payoff wasn't going to be the kid angle like everyone did, but uh, um, apparently I was wrong, and everybody else is right. So good job, Dane. You were right, and I was wrong. Boo! Yeah, you know, I, I do it sometimes, not many times. Um, but uh, let me see if this worries you. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just thinking 
too much. The only thing that I think is a bad idea is putting this whole entire gimmick as in we're supposed to basically think in our heads, Jason Jordan's going to be good enough a wrestler to be the next Kurt Angle. And I think a lot of people, if you and me don't, or if a lot of people don't get stared that way, I think a lot of people will, though. Uh, and the reason why I say this is like the second coming of Kurt Angle concept. They tend to do this in WWE a lot. And I, I don't know who to blame with Vince or, or, or whoever, uh, probably Vince, I would assume, but the way that the announcers will talk about that wrestler while they're in the ring, like Bray Wyatt, for instance. Bray Wyatt, very much the next Undertaker, and that, that kind of was like a, uh, a thing that built up and was a lot of pressure to put upon a wrestler that I honestly, especially with Bray, I don't think really has that much... I mean, yeah, the, the mystique factor's there and, like, the darkness, but he's much more of, like, a Jake Snake Roberts, Raven... Um, type of, of, of uh, entity to me, if, if you're going by the type of inspiration. Dolph Ziggler is a good example of being constantly in Shawn Michaels' shadow. And I don't think it's necessarily him. I think that Vince has, or has either said, and I'm assuming a little bit, or, or basically it's, it's just been done for him to do certain Shawn Michaels' qualities, make sure it's still there. It's better for wrestlers to naturally become that said dominant role themselves than to try to recreate that dominant role. You know what I'm saying? Like like with Kurt Angle and Jason Jordan. Some guy's going to come along. Maybe he's already here, like a Jeff Cobb. He's very he's a little ex-Olympian, big independent wrestler, growing throughout the ranks. Um, you know, uh, and naturally he'll be someone that he reminds me of Kurt Angle. And it's not in a way where there's, where there's pressure involved with this kid that if he can't live up to some type of, like if he doesn't work, if he doesn't work on the mic or whatever, and he's like, you know, it, it could make him go way lower in the chain than if they just try to give him a push from a different scenario. Um, do, you, do you agree with me to an extent? Do you understand what I'm, I'm, I'm worried about? Yeah, I could see that, but they don't necessarily, I mean, that all comes down to your announcers for the most part and how they present the story. Um, and some of that's just, you know, announce like what Vince wants the announcers to say or, or how that goes. So I think that a little bit of will always be there. I could definitely agree with uh, with you on the Bray White scenario. The Bray Wyatt scenario. Um, hopefully, what they do is they just incorporate you know some of Kurt's moves. And from what I remember, he already uses the ankle lock, and I think he calls it the Jordan Slam instead of the Olympic Slam. But he does like an uh, an angle slam um, or Olympic Slam, I guess, if you're in WWE and not TNA. But um, yeah, so. Hopefully they don't go full out. This is the next Kurt Angle because he's the son of Kurt Angle. But I, you know that's kind of where this is headed. Uh, the good news yeah. is if this doesn't work, they they have the ability to turn him heel by saying it was all bullshit, like that. Very not true. Kurt son. So at least with the way that they presented this thus far, with Kurt not knowing anything about it, and then you have Corey Graves, who's kind of a heel announcer and has been kind of shady in exposing people uh, such as the big cast Enzo scenario. This could just be all bullshit in a way to uh, just mess with Kurt Angle at the end of the day. So if it works and people really enjoy him being Kurt Angle's son, it's win. And if not, you can always turn him heel and, and uh, go for more of a heel Kurt Angle type guy. That's actually trying to screw Kurt Angle over possibly leading to a match. If Kurt wanted to do a match or Kurt bringing in, um, maybe even bringing in uh, his ex-tag team partner, uh, Gable, and going with a storyline where they're going against each other, Chad versus uh, Jason Jordan. So I think there's ways that you can get around it, even if people just shit all over this, because you can, you can kind of twist it 
and you can build another storyline off of it. So, you know, either way, I'm still kind of happy with it, but I, I totally get what you're saying with um, when you, when you do these comparisons and it's not just uh it's not just wrestling, even in a sport like hockey, like the Devils drafted a guy named Nico Heiser this year, and they immediately compared him to a legend of the likes of Pavel Datsuk. And in some cases, that's like a nail in a coffin because he may never, you know, live up to that. You're looking at yeah. uh, wrestlers that are once in a lifetime. They're Hall of Famers. You know, you're not necessarily going to get that out of that person. So when you start making those comparisons, it, it can be difficult for the wrestler or the, you know, athlete in general, but at the same point, like uh, you got to, you got to make comparisons to try to get them connected to the fans. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. No, I can definitely agree with that. I, I just, it just something to me makes me think that certain guys, I think if they didn't get that type of, uh, you know, treatment that they probably would have progressed a little bit easier because they had kind of like that type of like, Here's a good person, very hard to get over, has having problems getting over, that gets comparisons to pretty much everyone. I mean, he's like the next John Cena, apparently, because he's going to lead the company. He's the next Undertaker with Roman Reigns. Um, I don't know if that's actually hurt him per se, but it's, it's, it's kind of like let them – let AJ Styles, for instance, be the greatest in-ring performer arguably out of this generation's last one. You know, he is naturally the Shawn Michaels, if you will. Uh, he doesn't have to be exactly compared to Shawn Michaels. It's 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 something like that, and that's talked about at length. And um, you know, it's it's an interesting scenario. I want to see where it goes. I really like this heel switch. It's if they don't have it in place, I like that that can be in their back pocket. That makes a lot of sense. So maybe at the end of this, Chad Gable will end up being Kurt Angle's real biological son that was lost in a situation where the I don't know a lot of complication. Let's let's move on. Shall we, Chris? Um, sure. All right, so we got some Global Force wrestling news. All right, Jeff Jarrett has acquired Johnny Mundo. Um, apparently he was at a TV taping, so he's going to be premiering on uh, Impact at some point from uh, GFW. And apparently Rey Mysterio is also on his way back to Global Force Wrestling, uh, formerly TNA, obviously. Um Big scores for, for uh, I'm having so many problems calling this the right thing because there's five different fucking names. I just have to throw that out there, guys. Sorry. <laughs> so for Global Force Wrestling, uh, jo- Johnny Mundo and, and Rey Mysterio are great. I mean, the popularity that they already have equally, uh, the, the fact that they've kept themselves relevant with uh, Lucha Underground, both. The fact that they went to AAA and, afterwards and have been ripping shit up. If you guys didn't know, um, I don't really know how it works now or storylines has changed. The last time I checked, which was like a month and a half ago, Johnny Mundo had three different titles, uh, the cruiserweight title, the heavyweight title that he beat Alberto uh, Patron for, and one belt that he beat um, Pentagon Jr. And I watched both matches. It's actually good stuff. It's interesting because they're like dancing basically at this point with Lucha Libre, but it's still fun to watch. But anyways, uh, great, great get. Uh, I think that the kid has a hell of a lot of talent. I remember him on Tough Enough, and then watching him grow up, grow in WWE, first as a tag team, and seeing him right before I stopped watching really start blowing up and not coming back until afterwards, obviously. I already thought he was a talent, um, and he's, he's, been, he's been working his ass off. Rey Mysterio is a legend. So if anything, I think this is great for Global Force Wrestling. I just selfishly would have liked to see Johnny uh, Mundo go to either New Japan or WWE 
preferably. But uh, how did you feel about these gets for Global Force Wrestling, Chris? It's it's very interesting. Um, I know that Rey Mysterio is in talks with both Global Force and WWE, so he's not 100% sold on either yet, but I know Mundo did the television taping, so I'm assuming that they're going to use him possibly uh, to dethrone Alberto would be my guess. I'm going to, I'm going to guess that he's going to have a pretty big spot on the show uh, with possibly even getting Alberto Del Rio to join LAX and then having Johnny Mundo versus LAX. That would be probably the biggest storyline that, that Global Force could hope for. Um, and there's lots of cool people for him to work with that he never has. And some of them already work more of a WWE style, such as a EC3 or uh, Bobby Lashley. And the great thing about him is he's worked that style, and then he can also go over and wrestle with someone like Homicide or Alberto Del Rio, or even if they do get Rey Mysterio, Rey Mysterio, because he can also work that Lucha style. Um, He's a very, very interesting get for that company. And to me, I think that he he was a little underappreciated towards the end of his run in WWE. Um, he started incorporating parkour and stuff into his gimmick when he was in WWE. So uh, it's going to be nice to see him back in an American Federation that I can watch uh, every every Thursday um, with Lucha Underground. I didn't. Uh, I think they were what were they were on Pop, or then they switched off Pop. So it's been one of those things where or no, El, it's El Rey. They were on the El Rey Network. So I ha- I didn't always get to watch uh, him when he was in Lucha Underground, and then catching up with his AAA and CMLL stuff has been, you know, all through the internet. So it's been kind of cool to see him roll back into the fold and in the capacity. I was more hoping for uh, maybe Ring of Honor, New Japan, similar to you, but um, from a standpoint of signing wrestlers to kind of get Global Force back to where they need to be, where they're doing decent television ratings and possibly give them something to build a new television contract off of. I think that this was a, a huge get. And with Austin Aries on the market in yeah. November, I believe it is, or I think it, or it may even be October. It may be earlier than that. I think it's October um, after his 90 day compete. That's another, that could be another possible huge get for them. Um, I know that global force just cleared a bunch of money by laying some people off. So I think they're going to go out there and start signing people, which is good, and we'll see where it goes. Um, I, I'm looking forward to it, man. I, I, I like Johnny Mundo a lot. So this is, this is going to be very interesting. And this for those who haven't kept up with the independent scene or Lucha Underground, Johnny Mundo is John Morrison, uh, or was yeah. John Morrison in WWE. So his style has gotten a lot better. He's doing a lot more in the ring, and he's developed a lot. So check him out if you – have kind of slept on him for the past couple of years, but um, he's a he's a huge gift for Global Force. Yeah, and he's a damn good heel, man. When I watched him on AAA, and we'll get into what I just uh, discovered while you were talking, um, it, the dude not only was great in the ring and really flowed well and knew how to tell a great story, but his gimmick, he was in Mexico, AAA. He's already got one title at the time, and he's coming out to Born in the USA and basically saying that he's like, you know, he believes in Donald Trump and building the wall. Like, that was his gimmick, and it was ridiculous. And if they want to build off him, great. Uh, He's actually currently still the active champion for the AAA Mega Championship, the Latin American Championship, and the World Cruiserweight Championship. Not saying they can't get those out. It would be funny if he he leaves, AAA has to uh, relinquish the titles, 
comes over to TNA, Alberto Del, or Patron goes to AAA and ends up getting those set titles. That'd be kind of funny in retrospect. I don't know if that's going to happen. But this also could be TNA is trying to build a relationship with CMLL and AAA. And you've seen, like at um, Slammiversary, uh, there were different cruiserweight wrestlers uh, involved in the first two matches. Um, one of them, I, I, I'm pretty sure, is Pentagon Jr.'s uh, brother. I forgot what his name is. Um, but either way, great. If, that, if that's what they're doing, if they're kind of like doing that in a way, kind of like how Ring of Honor and New Japan have a partnership, and they're able to trade talent, and also I guess with them it would be uh, Gorilla Pro too, but like they're able to trade talent and have like these open contracts for their guys maybe. Great. Awesome. I love competition. I don't need just the WWE at all. I like watching all these different brands do their thing. If you're telling me that the Mexican Lucha Libre, they have a relationship, which kind of they have in the past with WCW, think about it, with the, the, the still Southern wrestling organization in the USA being Global Force Wrestling, I think that's really cool. Uh, even if that's not the case, I'm just saying I think that this is a good thing for Global Force Wrestling and Jeff Jarrett to do. Great guys to sign. Now quit being fucking ridiculous about this and settle the whole Hardys thing. That's all I'm saying. Um, did you have anything else to say about that, Chris, before I move on? No, I mean, like, like I said, I, I, thought, I thought this was a really good get, and I would expect him to be on TV soon. They film about a month in advance, and then their next pay-per-view is uh, Destination X, I believe. So that's right around the corner, and then once they do that, it wouldn't surprise me if Jenny Mundo starts showing up on TV based on everything I'm hearing. So that's uh, that's something to look forward to. And I watched Global Force last week for the first time. The presentation hasn't changed that much. It still looks like Impact, but the match quality seems to have gone up some, and the storylines aren't as ridiculous as they were in years past of TNA. So, you know, check it out and see see if you like it and – I don't know, yell at Jeff Jarrett if you don't, <laughs> but uh, it looks like it's getting better and that they're moving in the right direction with the name change or since the name change by uh, putting Jarrett back at the helm with this thing. So hopefully they can write the ship and they're never going to be to the level where they can probably challenge WWE, but it, it does give you an alternative to watch, especially if you enjoyed the original TNA that, that Jeff Jarrett was a part of. Um, and the, the AAA thing, Jeff Jarrett has been a champion in AAA as well. He probably has a pretty good relationship with them. So I would oh. expect more of that crossover as well. So, yeah, I mean, that's all stuff to be excited about as a wrestling fan, especially if you're, you know, a little sour on the WWE product. You can switch over and you'll have something at least different to watch for a while. So, uh, cool stuff. I'm excited about it. Well, yeah, that, that that's what I'm saying. I, I love – the fact that we have, if, if this is all, I mean, that makes sense with Jeff Jarrett being the champion. If we have the Southern Base Wrestling Organization mixing up with the Lucha Libre Mexican organizations, and then you have more the Northeast, independent, you know, obviously Philly influenced with ECW organization that's still there, Ring of Honor, has that with New Japan, um, and also a lot of the other indie parts. And then obviously WWE is WWE, and they have NXT. I, I, I like different styles and different ways to watch wrestling. If you guys, anyone gets a chance to, you don't have a lot of time. I know we all don't have a lot of time on our hands, but if you were to, check out wrestling for different locations. I did that for like a good uh, part of the day, and it was really fun to watch stuff over at um, some other Japanese organizations. Like I think I watched a match with Noah. I think that's the name of the organization. And then New Japan, and, and seeing how they act, and then going to Mexico, AAA. It's fascinating. I'm just telling you. 
You can do an Olympics-style thing with professional wrestling. And if anyone says I'm wrong, call me and challenge me, and I'll explain to you how. But, anyways, we'll keep on going with these wonderful, wonderful topics. All right, here's a crazy one that Forbes is actually reporting, too. Uh, Brock Lesnar reportedly seeking UFC return, set to drop WWE Universal title at SummerSlam. This is actually a small rumor, Chris, before I look this up. Um, and now Forbes is going with it, which is a very reputable source if you guys didn't know that out there. But apparently this is happening. Um, either that or the source is, you know, really good and on a really bad trail for this one uh, story. Uh, but who do you think – the reports go into that it's going to be to Roman Reigns. But can we just hope that Samoa Joe – how do you feel about this whole entire thing? And how do you feel about Brock going back to the UFC? Well, I'll start with the easy one, Brock going back to the UFC. Um, as far as I know at the moment, their heavyweight division is still a little depleted. So I don't, I don't know who they're going to get to fight him. Um, his last Did he do fight, a rematch got, against Mark Hunt? Maybe, I guess that's where the money might be. I'm, I'm, it's kind of a weird scenario because he tested positive yeah. after that fight. And then he got a lot of backlash for it. So it's... Um, I mean, there's always money with Brock to be made. That's why they, they've kept him around in WWE so long. Um, that name just within com- – right, let's just say combat sports in general, I think still resonates with people and it still moves the needle. That pay-per-view did really well um, with the Mark Hunt fight, even though I think they ever a lot of people thought that Brock wasn't going to be able to uh, get a win there. It's kind of proves some people wrong. But um, – it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. As far as the belt goes, Joe's like the hottest asset they have right now. Um, and I feel like they need to get, they got to get past this Braun versus Roman storyline before they put the belt on Roman. So if that's the case, putting the belt on Samoa Joe makes sense. And then having Reigns chase Joe for the belt possibly. And that gives you time to, I don't know, put the nail in the coffin of this Braun versus Roman Reigns feud for a little bit. Uh, I know down the line they said they wanted to do Reigns versus uh, Lesnar at Mania. So I would expect that would be for the title. That always seems to be the case. So there's potential of three or four title changes before Mania. There's lots of things that you can do to set that match up. I don't think that Reigns really needs the belt. I think Joe having the belt kind of would legitimizes him, especially if he gets a win over both Lesnar and uh, Roman Reigns. So we'll see what they do. But, yeah, SummerSlam is going to be interesting. Um, And the matches on the undercard for that are going to be kind of interesting, too, because, once again, I think you're going to have most of your top guys right now are going to be in one match. Because I think think we're going to end up with a four-way match with Braun, Lesnar, Reigns, and Samoa Joe. And then the rest of your card is just kind of going to – I don't know if you're going to do a, another tag match with, you know, Ambrose and Seth versus the Miztourage. And then if you do that, like, where's the rest of your card going? Um, so it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know, man. I don't know how I feel about it. I, I do feel like they probably want to put the title on Reigns, but I don't know that they want Braun losing to Roman Reigns – and the next match that he would have, you would assume, would be 
you know, Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns, and that would inevitably be a title match, I would think. And then you would have to have, in theory, you would have to have Braun lose clean at some point in that feud. So, I don't know. It's a weird one. So, I, I would hope that they put it on Joe, just because of where their storyline's at right now. Look, I, I agree with you, I, and I hope they do too. I, I think that there are several things that you can do. Put it on Joe, have other people, you know, that are going after the UFC, or the UFC title, the U.S. Uh, title so much, you know, jump them up. Shinsuke Nakamura, you have, you have uh, AJ Styles if he doesn't have the belt at, you know, later on. You know, there's so many people. So it's, it's very easy to get someone to feud with Samoa Joe as a champion. Roman Reigns should either be, in my opinion – and this is my opinion, should either be persuaded into some type of shield reunion. Maybe he has to help his buddies. Maybe it doesn't last long. Maybe someone screws him over. Maybe he screws them over. I don't know. Or I think battling Braun Strowman until fucking WrestleMania where they settle it and Roman wins. I think it would be a fun year feud for having this keep on going back and forth. He obviously needs to get a win, but that's just my opinion. I don't want you to put the title on Roman. Don't put the fucking title on Roman. I, I think that Samoa Joe is the hottest thing right now. You know, if if you weren't giving shit to Finn Balor, I would say he's also someone that kind of deserves it since, you know, he had it stripped from him. He was the first champion, all that type of shit. So if they're going to push Samoa Joe, great. If you're just going to give it to Roman, to me that's kind of a waste. Uh, and it's nothing against Roman Reigns. I don't dislike Roman Reigns. I just think that that's the wrong direction. But Brock Lesnar going to UFC – I would put him against Hunt. I think that's where the money is. And maybe and I, I think Brock would like to shut that guy up. Because, like, I believe that he got in trouble over supplements, but they weren't, like, ridiculous. I don't remember. I remember reading something where it was like, this is getting kind of blown up proportion. But the but he went off the deep end. I don't blame him for losing, you know, afterwards, talking shit about Brock Lesnar. So I don't want to be going after this guy to shut him up. And then if he if he pursues his career after that, if he wins – He's going to be training for UFC, so that whole WrestleMania thing, that could go bye-bye, um, you know, with him. And unless he came in just for WrestleMania and he can do that between training, I don't know. But if he immediately wins this next match, which apparently uh, the thing is he's going to start training in September and they want to try to have the match in uh, mid-November. Um, there was also some reports that you can talk about, Chris, a little bit, that within this WWE giving Brock a break and, and dropping the title and stuff like that with UFC. UFC is giving Chris Cyborg a small feud to start off with Becky Lynch going into SummerSlam. Um, who knows if that's true? I know that they have some fake beef because they've been going back and forth because I, I think they're friends in real life or something. not 100% sure. But how do you feel about all that? Man, I honestly don't know... I, because the thing, the difference between Brock Lesnar moving so seamlessly between the two is because he actively trained in both and knows how to work in a wrestling ring. When you start bringing in people who aren't really wrestlers and they're not trained for it, it gets kind of dicey. You, get, you start getting you start getting into that WCW era of booking where you're like, okay, we're going to bring him in for a shitty match and. I don't know that Cyborg would want to do that. I think if she was going to do it, she'd probably want to do it right. Um, that all being said, I, I'm assuming that Brock's already signed a contract to go to Mania at this point. I'm pretty sure that's already locked in, or however many dates he's already signed for has probably sure. been locked in. So I don't know 
how they're going to work that out. So if they're saying, if you're hearing rumors like that, I mean, it could be something like that where they're looking at assets for asset or, I don't know. Vince is a businessman. If he thinks he's going to make money off of it, he'll 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 do it. I don't know that Vince thinks that there's going to be a lot of money in a female fighter whose name isn't Ronda Rousey. But I could be wrong. You know, like Vince looks at name value, not so much like what they've accomplished in the octagon. He's, I mean, he's going to look for name value more than anything else, especially if he, if you're talking about WrestleMania or SummerSlam or a big event. He's trying to pop that meter by getting name value out there, which is why, you know, when they get to these large events, you see people start popping up on ESPN and, and things of that nature. So uh, we'll see. But I I, uh, I think it's it's probably if, – if a lot of people in the – from what I've seen, it's not just been wrestling – journalists saying this it's also been UFC journalists saying this so there's got to be a little bit of truth to Lesnar wanting to have another fight now whether or not someone will take that fight is a uh, whole different story altogether it's an interesting scenario and since you mentioned um, her name let's go into that actually as the next topic Uh, so these are guys rumor alert rumor alert there is Probably nothing within this, and this has happened actually because Ronda Rousey has happened to be good friends with uh, Stephanie McMahon. So every time they're caught together, and she's also friends with Charlotte, so same thing with her. So when they're caught together, basically everyone assumes, and there's a rumor that Ronda Rousey is possibly in talks with WWE. I have no idea if that's true or not. Like I said, it's a rumor, but we're just going to go over the concepts of the positives and negatives if Ronda Rousey were to be in talks to possibly start training to become a, uh, a WWE wrestler. Um, so, Chris, I'll let you take it away. I mean, the positives are that I still think that she's a big name, uh, maybe not necessarily with UFC fans, but with your average with your average sports fan, that name has came up so much that it kind of sticks out in your head. And anytime Vince sees something like that and thinks that he can make money with it, like I said before, I think that he he will pursue it as long as he can get it for a decent price and it's not going to cost him, you know, an arm and a leg. There's a a big chance of him doing it. And a lot of that comes down to, you know, how well Mike Tyson worked out and how well, you know, Brock Lesnar coming back has worked out and signing some of these big people for one-off matches. Uh, The positives for it is if she actually learns how to – wrestle in the ring and enjoys it and wants to do it, even if she ends up on like a Brock Lesnar contract, you have a lot of interesting matchups with her, you know, against someone like Charlotte Flair or Nia Jax or um, Asuka. Asuka Asuka would probably be my primary choice if you built up someone like Ronda Rousey who has a big name and was a legitimate fighter, um, a former champion. You build that up, and then you have your undefeated person beat them after she gets a bunch of wins. It makes Asuka look like a million bucks. So, I mean, there's pros and cons to it. It all comes down to how she's booked, how much money it's going to cost Vince to bring her in, and whether or not she has absolutely, you know, any interest in it. If she has interest in it and they can get a contract done, I think it's good for the company as long as, you know, she's utilized right. And if they go the same route that they've done with Brock Lesnar, and well, she all she really needs to do is – some suplexes, like like a Brock Lesnar matches last five to six minutes as long as she looks like an absolute monster and she's throwing, you know, smaller people around like Lana or, you know, Alexa Bliss, 
for instance, which I'm sure she could toss her all the way across the ring if she wanted to. Um, if she can make, if they can make her out to look like a monster and it sets up big matches for Nia Jax and um, Charlotte and, you know, people that look more like legitimate female threats in that division. Or even Sasha um, would be interesting. Yeah, Sasha would be interesting too because she's smaller and, and you know, Ronda's not, Ronda's not a big girl, but she is muscular and she comes across more like a monster type. If you're booking a female, if you were booking her, you would book her as more of a, like a Brock Lesnar type monster, not necessarily a uh, just a standard female wrestler. And I think that's the route you go. And maybe you even put her with Paul Heyman. Um, she's wore the I'm a Paul Heyman girl shirt before, and that kind of makes sense if Brock's going to go fight. I don't know. Lots of cool stuff you could do there. Um, I don't think that, you know, I don't think that the average wrestling fan cares that she lost two fights in the UFC. I honestly don't. I think, you know, your major populace just sees it as a name, and if they build her up as an absolute monster, she's going to be an absolute monster. Brock lost two fights um, before he came back to WWE, and when he came back, no one seemed to care. So as long as, you know, she's built up like a monster in booking and you give her a good manager, she, I mean, she can talk, but there's a difference between cutting a wrestling promo and just being able to do an interview. Um, so putting her with someone like Paul Heyman, I think you, you can make money with that. I don't see any reason why you couldn't. Well, I completely agree with you. Um, I think, you know, if, if we're going into it, it's like this is a true uh, story. Uh, I think that she would actually be someone they can get a lot out of. Um I think she would bring up the women's division more so. I mean, it's already building. It's, ha- it's having problems being stagnant with having to do the same fucking matches because there's two goddamn programs with two different rosters, but don't get me started on that. But she just brings an elevation to everything. She brings name recognition. Uh, cha-ching, cha-ching. Vince only gives a shit about that most of the time. Um, you know, it's weird because Vince loves money coming in. That's what, what guides his brain. But when it comes to wasting money, he doesn't mind doing that. Very strange how that works. No shot to Vince since he's a billionaire and I have fucking $40 in my bank account, but I'm just saying. Uh, but Rhonda, I think, is a, a very smart person to bring within WWE. She goes, trains for a while, you know, gets a good feel of, of professional wrestling. Look, she's been a fan of wrestling her whole entire life. Uh, Rowdy Ronda Rousey is because of Rowdy Roddy Piper. That's that's pretty known. Um, you know, she's been at events. She knows these people that, that, that own it and run it. Like I said, she's friends with Stephanie. Um, she knows Triple H. I mean, it just seems like if she's done with UFC, there's nothing bad with, I think, having a great run in WWE and being a dominant force there. I think that that's, that's great. And any person that's like, what's your fucking... 14 out of 16, and now she's a horrible fighter. This, oh, okay, because she talks shit between her matches. Oh, I hate her. She's a horrible person. Look, they all do, and they're all great athletes. I don't like Mayweather for that reason, but I know Mayweather's a great boxer. I'm not going to disregard him. If he lost his last two matches, I wouldn't say he's the worst boxer because of it. Uh, give me a fucking break. That, that's ludicrous. She put female MMA fighting on, you know, made that popular, basically. And because of that, Stephanie and Charlotte, both have interviews, and maybe they're just blowing smoke up her ass because they're friends with her, give her a rub for making women's combat more popular, which definitely, mixed with, obviously, these great wrestlers, 
you know, throughout the 2000s and stuff like that in the late 90s, really building it up. But that's the, the fact that if she wants to come down here and you don't think, because you don't personally like her, because you hate her as a fighter, because she lost finally, she got exposed. Like people, when they hated Chuck Liddell, when he fucking finally got exposed. Fairweather fans, well, whatever. Um, you don't think that she's actually going to be a buy, that, that people are not going to tune in because they see Ronda Rousey and Flair. And that's all they put together. And they're like, oh, I haven't watched wrestling in a long time. This is crazy. Give me a goddamn break. Take my money right now. Uh, I'm down. Like I said, Asuka, Sasha, especially Nia Jax, Charlotte. There's so many female wrestlers where it would be – Naomi would be an interesting match to go against her. Like, there's a lot of potential at Ronda Rousey. And, yeah, like you said, she doesn't have to do much. But I think that she would – I think that she would actually – I don't think she would want to just do it like Brock Lesnar. I think that she would want to roll around and really, you know, embody her judo and wrestling background and kind of, like, put that within there. Not anything too crazy. I don't think she could be doing a moonsault like Charlotte, but I'm just saying she would definitely make the WWE some money. I, I if, if you don't believe that, then you are allowing your personal views – on on her, and I don't even think it's based on her fighting because you're just, that then it's off of two matches, so whatever the fuck, um, you know, you're allowing that to guide your reasoning, and I don't have time for that. I think that this would be a great thing if this happened. Are you fucking kidding me? If you told me that Conor McGregor wanted to come to the, to WWE in four years, yeah, get him, get him really good and fucking train in there, and then get him out there. These people have personalities. Not only will make them money, but some of them, like a Ronda Rousey, or like say a Conor McGregor, already seem like they would. They, they're pro, uh, pro wrestlers. That's the appeal that Chuck Liddell had. That's the appeal that a lot of them have. Rampage Jackson. He would power bomb people. There's always going to be that type of thing that goes in between. And I love MMA. I love professional wrestling. I know the difference, obviously. But this is just good things to me. Ah, all right. I had to get that off my chest. Anyways. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I think it, you got you got to look at it from a business perspective. And at the end of the day, Ronda Rousey is still a big name, and she still draws. She'll still draw money for Vince McMahon, especially in a sport that's not real. If you're worried about Ronda Rousey getting her ass kicked in professional wrestling, you don't really have to worry about that because it's a work. <laughs> she can come in, absolutely dominate. Her in-ring UFC abilities mean nothing. <laughs> So I agree with you. 100%. Yeah, it's 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 a goddamn joke. Uh, I don't know. I mean, oh, what are you gonna do? Um, my thing about her would be I, I, how much money it would. It, the the big thing about her is how much money it would take to get her there, because oh yeah, she's done movies and shit, so she's making a lot of money, and that's where the actual breakdown comes is whether or not you know is she worth paying that money for unless she's doing it as a favor to her friends at a low, low price, or it's just something that she enjoys and wants to try um, because, you know, she's not going to get that rock contract. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely not. But here's the thing about Ronda Rousey. I just said all this stuff, you know, promoting her for an MMA fighter. I hate it when fucking people cast her in movies. It's a goddamn joke. Um, Ronda Rousey, did have a bunch of movies. Uh, she had actually a biopic where she was coincidentally playing herself uh, in the next couple of years. All those fell through. 
shortly throughout the last year since she lost that fight. Um, if anything, to me, I'm assuming WWE would keep her as a celebrity in the limelight and give more of a reason for her to get uh, movie roles, even if they try to just use her, you know, say, hey, do you want to be in X amount of WWE pictures? We'll pay you this much. You know, that's, that's good for WWE to have her leading a film with a John Cena or something else out of one of their movies. And, and it's good for her to keep up her resume if she's really trying to make sure acting's relevant. Uh, because it's going to fall real flat, even more so than it has, because of that loss. So it's like, what is she going to do? Get back in the octagon? Possibly lose again? Or go out with a pretty damn good record and being a trendsetter? And then do something else? I mean, the fact that she can say that she'll get the women's championship pretty fucking quickly. you got to agree with that, right? Yeah, I mean, of course. I, I think that would be, you know, they would give her three or four dominant wins and then immediately put the the strap on her. I think that, like, you would go the route of, showing her dominance against a couple of people and like maybe a Mickey James or a Dana Brooke and a, a couple of the lower card female wrestlers. And then from there, you just go straight to uh, straight to the title match and she gets the title. And I would have her win a couple matches, maybe against like Banks and Flair. And then you got the perfect matchup. You got undefeated Oscar versus, versus, uh, versus Rhonda. And if you want to, that gives your star a major push by putting her over. You give Oscar the win, she stays undefeated, beats Rousey, or she loses to Rousey, she's no longer undefeated, and then she gets the win back on the, the rematch. So, I mean, there's a ton of cool booking that you can do there. And it's not hard to do with, uh, with Ronda Rousey just because of the name value and what people know that she accomplished in UFC when she was there. Completely agree. Well, Chris, I'm glad we're on the same page. Uh, let's see if it continues uh, with the conversation. It usually does. Um, so NXT has gotten some talent. Chris, uh, Leo Rush, who is who was actually for the last year blowing up um, and Gorilla Pro, and also I think he made his way to uh, Ring of Honor, but he's a high flyer, um, African-American gentleman, really good in the ring, uh, dyes his hair weird, but he's a... Uh, Joining NXT, I think he's going to be making his live debut soon. And we also had last week the debut of uh, Bobby Fish. And also Kyle O'Reilly will be debuting. Actually, he already did, since we've been talking, uh, on NXT tonight. He was at taping, and it was confirmed that he was part of NXT last week. So we have both members of Red Dragon. Um, awesome tag team. Really big I'm more of a big of a Kyle O'Reilly fan than Bobby Fish, but I think they're both pretty damn good in-ring performers. Um, Kyle O'Reilly is a badass wrestler. I watched some stuff uh, with him with ECCW, which is uh, Canada's big wrestling uh, thing. He had a title at the time. A lot of stuff I saw with uh, him at Ring of Honor. He think he was over in New Japan, too, probably through Ring of Honor, but he's been all over the place. Um, looking forward to seeing Red Dragon basically take the place of DIY within NXT, of having the mentor-student-style uh, relationship like they have, and being a dominant tag team, and being badasses but being still baby faces because they usually have that type of appeal, um, and maybe being uh, part of the other, what, one or two babyface tag teams we have left since everyone else is splitting up. Um, so who knows? Uh, but... 
using these uh, add-ons for NXT. And also the fact that both members of Red Dragon, Bobby Fish last week and Kyle O'Reilly, both lost to Aleister Black, building his undefeated streak. The fact that both of them started off with a loss doesn't seem that good. They Apparently this match is great, and the one with him and Bobby Fish was great too. But is it great that they have these talents? And with Red Dragon, do you think it was bad to start them off with two individual losses for both guys against their monster, Aleister Black? Well, from Aleister Black's standpoint, it's not bad. I mean, they're building him as a bit, the next big thing, who's probably going to be contending for the title here shortly, I would think. So from that standpoint, you know, if they lose to him and he wins the title at their next pay-per-view, it's not really that big of a deal, especially if he's beating any, everyone anyways. Um, but they, need, they do need some good wins. And then right now we don't know. They may get booked together as a tag team. So if they get booked back together as a tag team, those two individual losses, they kind of end up meaning nothing because people are going to see them as a tag team until they split up or whatever they want to do with them. Um, the, the only thing about Leo Rush, I, I think he's a great in-ring performer. Uh, the thing that scares me about him is his size. Um, he's a little bit, I think he's maybe the same height as Ray Mysterio Jr. or the same book height as Ray Mysterio Jr., but he's smaller um, as far as, like, his body build. Um, when Ray was in WWE, I think a lot of people forget that he was, like, absolutely jacked until, like, the end after his injury. He came back a, a little chubbier, but... Um, I, you know how Vince feels about smaller guys, so I, it's, I just hope they don't just throw him into a 5 Live, and maybe 205 Live's going away here shortly um, with the way their views are going and all that stuff, but uh, he's, he's a great wrestler. I think they could do some cool stuff with him. Uh, Aleister Black getting wins over them I don't think is like the end of their career, or they're not starting off on a bad note, you know, because he's got a uh, – He's undefeated right now, so it's like, you know, if they lose to him, I don't think it's as big of a deal. Now, if they came in and they lost to, like, Velveteen Dream their first night, um, which they're building Velveteen Dream, and I get that, but if they, they came, if he came in and just, they just lost clean to him, both of them in a row, yeah, I think that would probably hurt them more um, than losing to, like, Aleister Black, who's who everyone, I guess, sees as, like, the next big thing of NXT at the moment. So um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, they're, they're all three great pickups. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that they got all three of those guys. Uh, I thought maybe some of them would end up doing more Ring of Honor stuff. I know Leo was in – Leo Rush was in CZW at one point, if I'm not mistaken. I think he just wrapped up his last show there. So it's going to be interesting to see. It's always weird when they first sign their contracts because I'm going I'm, I'm to be curious to see if I see them still showing up on indies because they had predetermined indie dates or – how that stuff's going to shake out, but they're all, all three of them are great wrestlers and, and good pickups for NXT. The thing that worries about me in, about NXT is that it seems like they sign from other places so much, and it's supposed to be a development center, and, and they're just they're more teaching people the WWE style than they are developing their own unique talent. I mean, outside of say like a Roman Reigns and a few of the female wrestlers, I, don't, I can't think of anyone that they just developed from the ground up who already wasn't kind of known out there on the indie scene. But, uh, you know, other than that, it's still a great pickup for them. And I, I think they'll they'll be pretty cool to see in, uh, in NXT, so especially someone like Leo Rush maybe going against one of the guys from DIY, whether it be, um, you know, Campos. Oh, yeah. Johnny Wrestling? They do some Fuck, really cool, yeah. Yeah, they can do some cool stuff together. So it's going to be interesting when I mean, there's lots of cool matchups in NXT and they do, a, they continue to, to do a good job of booking that show. And right now 
having two undefeated streaks that actually mean something um, helps them a lot in their storyline. So, like, no, I don't think those losses hurt them at all. Well, the funny thing, Chris, is they had four. Um, and I think, is that match going on two tonight? Yeah, it wasn't last week. But uh, Killian Dane and also uh, Drew McIntyre, they were both undefeated. They had like five or six wins apiece. Um, and they went against each other tonight, and the person would go against for the title. I think Aleister Black now with Kyle O'Reilly, he's at five. And Oscar's obviously like 150 million. Uh, I like how they build their, their badasses, they make them dominant. I think that Triple H is very smart when it comes to his style. I really, really, really like it. Um, I can't say that enough. I think that he's, like, the camera angles, the the fact that Aleister Black's entrance puts him over at first. I mean, because uh, he was for the longest time just coming out and just kicking someone in the face, and that was it. Now he's having badass matches. But just his entrance and his presence and the camera angles and making it so cinematic and stuff like that, they're very intelligent over there, man. They're creating some really cool talent that WWE is destroying. Well, let's, let's, let's hope that doesn't happen. Speaking about getting destroyed by WWE, well, guess what? Monday morning happened, and Vince McMahon had had enough. He put an end indefinitely to talking smack. Talking smack is now getting the fuck out of here. Uh, the only people that didn't know uh, were Renee Young and Daniel Bryan, who both went to uh, Twitter when finding out, and... We're not happy, of which I don't blame them a little bit. You definitely want to get that type of uh, notice. Uh, Top and Smack will still happen after pay-per-views, but it will not be weekly anymore. Um, apparently it had low ratings. Uh, I think that it was last week reported within the top 40, maybe it was, or something like that. Uh, there's basically mixed reports going on. Um, there's a lot of reports saying it was all ratings-wise, but here's the thing. The network is literally owned by Vince. This show apparently didn't cost dog shit to make. Uh, one of the things that hindered it, because apparently at one time it was making high ratings, but then they put it an hour after 205 Live, which people were watching it more instead of live off of, you know, later on viewings. Um, so that also hindered, apparently, this was uh, something uh, Metzler was going over with one one other uh, set of people that I listened to. But um, so there's also reports that Vince didn't like certain things that got exposed from it. He went and witnessed an episode himself, and that was where he made his decision that he wanted to get rid of the show completely, stating apparently that there was too much reality involved with the show, which was honestly, to me, one of its highlights. Um, I don't think this is a good idea. Um, I don't think that there's a lot of me, though, that are out there that actually watched it live. I could be wrong with that, Um I liked it. I liked it a lot. I think a lot of people did end up inevitably watching the show. Um, and I think that people like Kevin Owens and and uh, The Miz shined on that show, and it gave people like Luke Harper and Eric Rowan and uh, Baron Corbin and a lot of guys that weren't good with their mic skills more of a chance to open up. I loved all the tweets with people that are pissed off about it. I love that res- these wrestlers are vocal, even with their boss. Uh, via Twitter, and I loved Kevin Owens making jokes about it like he would, staying in character and saying that, good, like, like I'm sure that you heard and read and know a lot more of them, um, but how do you feel about all this, Chris? Well, I mean, honestly, I, I am kind of sad to see it go away. 
Um, I'm one of the people, like we talked about earlier today, that didn't end up watching this on the WWE Network a lot of times because WWE.com posts on Facebook or it gets reposted on Twitter or the highlights get posted on YouTube. Um, so a lot of times I'll end up watching it the following day uh, on the Internet, and I don't ever go back and watch the entire actual show. Now, I always watched it after the pay-per-view so I'm probably one of those fans that's a problem and reason why this, this show uh, is considered one of the least watched shows on the network, I guess, for the past few weeks. And I'm not sure that I'm in the minority there because I, I know people are watching it because people are talking, they were talking about the Miz uh, angle. They were talking about, you know, Kevin Owens and his attack on, uh, on Renee Young and uh, that radio DJ who used to, who does wrestling stuff. I can't think of his name right now, uh, but I mean, it it was a good standing point, and I think more people would have paid attention to it if they showed more from the previous week's Talking Smack on SmackDown, and if they built more storylines out of it. Um, as far as if Vince liked it or not, I think Vince likes anything he thinks people are watching. Uh, I know that there was one scenario he was pissed off about where the New Day were on Talking Smack uh, before coming back from their injury, like the week before, so he got a little upset about that, but at, at some time, at some point, you know, that's it's your product. So you can't really get upset about that. And if you're not keeping up with it, it's kind of one of those weird scenarios. And I've heard different things all over the web that some or people are saying that Vince absolutely hated it. Some people are saying that Vince is taking it off because it, you know, it finished. I think they showed the ratings for the network or watch shows for the network. I, they do it by views. It was like 18th or something. And I mean, a lot of that, I think, is because you're not showing it on TV. You know, if you're, if you're showing more of the stuff on TV or hyping it more on TV, I think it would help. And then also I think moving it after 205 Live doesn't really do it any favors as far as people watching it live because they watched three hours of Raw the night before. Then they watched, uh, you know, two hours of SmackDown. And if they're watching it live on the network, they have to sit through an hour of 205 Live and then it's 20 or 30 minutes for talking Smack. So I think it's just a lot of content in such a short period of time. It would be neat if they could do this concept, maybe like tape it at the end of Raw and SmackDown, and then just do a weekly show with both Talking Raw or Going in Raw or Talking Raw, whatever they call it, and then Talking Smack. Um, doing something where they combine those segments on like a Wednesday and then they show it after NXT or something. Because I don't think the show costs that much to make. And there are diehard fans that like it, and I think it is a good way to get interviews for people that don't really get mic time, especially on SmackDown because the show is really jam-packed um, with the three or four storylines they're going to do each week. And then you have, like, Raw, where it's yeah, – well, Raw is kind of always a clusterfuck. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I just – altogether, it's just kind of weird it got canceled because, it, I, to me, it, it – the people that you have hosting it when it was just Daniel Bryan and Renee Young are already employed. You're usually filming it in the same building that you're already doing 205 Live in. And just from a money standpoint, you're just using the entertainment that you already have there. So I don't think it would be that much more to record. So I don't know what you get out of taking content off the network that previously existed. With 205 Live, if they were to cancel that, that would actually make more sense because I think it placed lower than uh, Talking Smack as far as w what people watch. And then they actively pay those entertainers to wrestle each week. So 
it's a little weird that this is the one that got cut. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if 205 is, is shortly down the road um, as well, which we've talked about plenty on this show. So we'll see, I guess. Yeah, it's just strange, man. I don't know. Um, I thought it was actually pretty cool myself. I, I really liked the option to be able to to witness what they were going for. But, hey, you know, um, Vince McMahon will keep cartoons that no one watches and a uh, ripoff of, you know, uh, Pumped. Uh, but he'll cancel Legends with JBL and, and this and other shows that are great. I think I think Edge and Christian's done. I like those shows. Oh well, fuck me. I did. I did fuck really appreciate. Uh, I did really appreciate Kevin Owens' tweet after he found out it got canceled. It was <laughs> if true, I applaud at WWE's initiative to cancel hashtag Talking Smack and to no longer give Renee Young and Daniel Bryan's nonsense a platform. <laughs> which I thought was pretty great as far as throwing a tweet out there in character. But, yeah. It's going to be – uh, I'm glad that they're still keeping it after the pay-per-views, it, it, at least, um, coming out of the pay-per-views. And some of the best Kevin Owens uh, shit talk you'll get to hear is after those pay-per-views on Talking Smack, and I would have really missed that. So, I'm, uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. They may end up bringing it back if enough people bitch about it. I would I would hope so. so. Really- I feel that for Renee Young because apparently with Renee Young, Chris, um, her other show got canceled. I don't know if that was just now with this whole entire thing or if it was from before, but her, her individual interviews that she used to do uh, on the network, they're done uh, apparently as well. So that kind of sucks for her because I actually watched those as well too. Um, I don't know. Do you have any last thing to say I've about watched- this before we move on? Well, I hope that this isn't them just trying to weed out Renee Young. I don't know what her contract looks like. And Bad I, idea. Uh, I, know that, I know that she hasn't been on Total Divas in a while. Um, I don't know if she's going to be on their next season or not with the whole Dean Ambrose thing. So maybe this is – WWE's kind of shitty. They, you know, they did this to Paige and Del Rio as well where they try to split these couples up, and they did move, you know, Dean to – Raw. So you never know what's going on in the background. There may be more things going on than just them wanting to cancel the show. It could be that Renee wants to leave and she wants to go do something more like coach at ESPN or, you know, it could be one of a billion things that we're not hearing. We're just getting whatever the tail end of this shit being canceled um, story. Yeah, I agree. It'd just be a bad loss because I definitely think Renee Young's a pretty damn good She's great on the mic, great interviewer, um, someone I can take seriously. Um, maybe I'll have Booker T replace her. Wouldn't that be great? All right, let's go to Battleground. Uh, and the card for Battleground, we'll do some predictions between me and Chris. All right, I'm going to go from the bottom up. Not all of these are accurate of in order, but these are pretty much what someone thinks the order might be, if that makes sense. All right, the kickoff show, Ty Dillinger versus Aiden English. Man, Ty Dillinger, just can we put him back down to NXT so he can feel better about his life? Like, that sucks. Like, I mean, I don't get it really. I know Chris does not get it with the whole gimmick and people liking to say 10. And actually, when, when the ref's doing his count and people do that, it annoys the fuck out of me. Not as bad as saying what while one of the greatest wrestlers of all times in the ring trying to cut a promo to something I've been waiting a couple weeks for with Kurt Angle. Fuck you, Nashville. Just saying. 
unless you're from National and you're listening to this, and I like you. But Ty Dillinger and Aiden English, sad. Aiden English, I hope goes over. Fuck it. I don't even know what to do anymore. But well, how do you feel, Chris? Ty Dillinger and Aiden English. Um, I I assume Ty, Ty Dillinger is going to win this match, and they'll continue with the Aiden English storyline of being um, whiny and singing and crying and all that stuff would be my guess. They, I mean, the weird thing about SmackDown is that they just they don't know what to do. They don't have enough talent to do anything with Ty Dillinger unless they immediately thrust him, you know, into a feud with, say, Sami Zayn and, I guess, uh, Michael Bennett. No, Michael Bennett versus Ty Dillinger is actually what should be going on right now as opposed to yes. Michael Bennett and Sami Zayn, and Sami Zayn should be involved in this United States Championship race or, in, you know, in, in some other meaningful match. Because, that I mean, that's the problem is the the U.S. title is the biggest thing on the card, and Randy Orton and Jinder Mahal are stop, their stopgap for the WWE Championship. No one's even chasing that. Um, when in reality you should be building, you know, the next number one contender. Instead, we have, you know, the money in the bank contract Baron Corbin's holding. But, like, what are, what are they going to do after, you know, the end of this match? And it wouldn't even surprise me if Baron Corbin cashes in at this pay-per-view. Um, but, you know, we'll get into that a little later. But I expect Ty Dillon to win this match. I do kind of feel bad for him. I'm, I never was a huge fan of his. I think his in-ring works is fine. And the 10 gimmick does nothing for me because, you know, if you're not live, if you're just watching this at home, yelling 10, it's, you know, it's meaningless. <laughs> so uh, I, I guess people would say, you know, I, I guess people would say, you know, they would probably throw at like Daniel Bryan with the yes thing, kind of similar. But I guess yes was motivational. So that's why you love doing it. I don't know. Well, I don't I think, get I it. I think the difference I, is. Daniel Daniel Bryan had good damn matches though, and Daniel Bryan's a way fucking better wrestler than Ty Dillinger. So by the way, I watched, yet, I watched, it's not as annoying because you're like, oh, well, they're talking about Daniel Bryan and he's fucking awesome. But when people do like ten for Ty Dillinger, I'm like, he's okay. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like he has a gimmick. He just has a gimmick that the crowd likes to do. Like he he wasn't ready to come to the main roster. I mean, that's that's it. I'm not saying he's bad. I mean, he's not terrible. He's not, like, Enzo bad or anything, but he's not anything special. Like, when he steps between those ropes, I don't see anything special other than the fans like the L10. And he has a weird hairdo. That's all I get. And if someone if someone wants know. to send me a Ty Dillinger match, maybe I just haven't seen a great Ty Dillinger match. I watched a lot of NXT, that's, but that's if you want to send me a great... Yeah, if you want to send me a great Ty Dillinger match... On Facebook or whatever, if you're part of the group, feel free. I'll check it out. But I watched him on NXT and I watched him so far on SmackDown, and he hasn't really done anything to impress me. So, and um, I'm not looking myself, just to be honest with you guys. But let's go to the next <laughs> match. Um, so we got the Fashion Police, and they're going to be going against Question Mark. We don't know, Chris. Now, honestly, it hasn't been confirmed as a match, so this might just be an interaction between the two. But as of right now, there are no tag teams anymore, so there's probably about five between the two because um, everyone's breaking up. So I have no fucking clue, personally, who this is. But there was, and Chris, I'm not sure you're going to like this one. Uh, I, I wouldn't 
Well, I mean, if they can use it to help him out, great. But someone said, what if it's Eric Rowan and Luke Harper showing up as some type of tag team? Um, if it's not that, I don't, I, I can't think of anyone on the main roster. I mean, unless the Towers of Pain want to just come up and beat the crap out of them real quick and go back to NXT since they're champs. I'm not sure where they really go with this. I would assume it's a heel-based team, but the Fashion Police are, you know, I, 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 I would imagine could be annoying, so maybe anyone would want to beat the crap out of them. I don't know. Chris, wh- what do you think about this whole thing? It could be Rowan and Harper. I I was kind of hoping that they were bringing in, like, a legend tag team, like, you know, Mosh and Thrasher or, like, the New Age Outlaws or just something completely off the wall for, like, a one-off match because it's going to be a comedy match either way. Um, but if it's if it's Harper and Rowan, it's just going to be a straight Rock and Roll match. Express? Yeah, just bring in the Rock and Roll Express, man. That was what I said originally. Um, I don't know, man. The truth is not H. The truth is not H. <laughs> um, I don't know. I Eric Rowan and Harper makes sense because it at least gives them something to do, and it gives them a second heel tag team. Um, but then again, it could just Don't be the hype Rose. It could have just been, could have just been Mojo Rawley the entire time. And then maybe that leads to him and uh, Zack Ryder breaking up or something. I don't know. That could be another angle, but I don't know. Dude, it's it's so going to be weird. interesting. To... So... Sorry, what were you going to say? It's going to be interesting to see just because this is like I can't think of another tag team that they have um, outside of Rowan and Harper unless they bring someone up from NXT. And, and I just don't see – if they're going to bring the Authors of Pain up, I think they're going to make a way bigger deal about it than just having them one-off this battleground pay-per-view. You know what I mean? So it's – I don't know. Unless they're bringing in Legends, it's probably going to end up – that's probably a good call at being Rowan and Harper. Makes sense, but I feel bad for Luke Harper. I definitely – Wish more for him. He's over his shit. I wish that, I don't know, uh, Mick Foley thinks it's because he looks weird. Because, I mean, obviously Mick knew that having a similar look, it was hard for him to be able to get over in certain aspects. But I believe in I mean, he looked like Bruiser Brody, though. And Bruiser Brody was over his butt. You think it would be easy to just make him a crazy man and have him beat the shit out of people, and people would dig that. Talent, because he's so good in the ring too for his size I think he's a pretty damn good in the ring wrestler for his size I do hope it's uh, pretty, pretty damn good I do kind of hope it is a Rock and Roll Express if they're not going to do that because I think that would be amazing if they just have one match in WWE because they, they just got inducted last year so maybe that is it who knows I love the fashion police <laughs> I think they're hilarious they're su- and dude they're good wrestlers, man, especially Fandango. He's a fucking good wrestler. Well, we've, uh, you've heard me talk about Fandango on this show to begin with. If they wouldn't have saddled him with such a shitty gimmick originally, I think he could have been over as fuck. Because like he has a very unique look. He's got the right size. He's had great matches with Chris Jericho. I think they could have done a lot more with him. So at least they're taking the shitty gimmick that they saddled them with, and, and him and Tyler Breeze both are just doing some amazing stuff right now. And I, I hope that they're actually part of writing this, and it's not, you know, I, WWE shouldn't be taking for this. I, I don't think that there's no way that WWE creative is coming up with something as funny as this. I just, I've seen them try to do comedy before, and it never comes out like this. So I'm thinking that they have a lot to do with it. 
And I, I want the new, I want to see New Day versus. I mean, you got to have New Day versus you know Breeze Dango, like the Fashion Police versus the New Day. It, it's just got to happen, even if it's just a face versus face one off match. I, I think that it needs to needs to occur sooner than later. Um, I, I'm not sure. I just I, I feel before we go on, I want to address this. The the tag team division man is in shambles, especially on Raw. There's literally all ha- uh, you know, with if the Hardys dispatch, there's literally all um, heel tag teams over there. I mean, and look at SmackDown; it's not much better. I mean, literally. So if the Hardys are going to be done, we 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 assume the hype bros are done. Let's go into it. Besides that, Mel- American Alpha is done. Um, there's two other teams. Uh, that oh yeah, uh, our truth and Goldust they're done. There's like literally like most of the the babyface tag teams are are gone uh, outside of Fandango uh, and uh, what you call it the Hardy Boys for right now and um, the New Day, and it's just very very weird what they're doing with the tag division. Um, also like what if, what if uh, you know both uh, Cesario and Sheamus, they don't want to be together. They're not going to be uh, a group forever. I mean, the only thing I could think they're doing, there's a rumor that uh, the club is might go babyface, and that was like their first attempt of showing like the humor, like they're actually premiering that more and more, and that's a build-up to hopefully get the fans to get over because us, the Marks, we like them because of their humor, especially on that like little Southern wrestling thing that they did. Um and uh, that's actually where they're going over there. But still, there's, like, no tag teams on any of these things. They keep on breaking them up. Some of them are made up of superstars that are not usually tagged. Like, what the hell is going on with the tag division, Chris, is what I'm asking you. Well, I mean, the brand splits, what's going on with the tag division. If you put those all those tag teams together, then you're looking at something that's a lot so better. So why break up more? I don't know, man. I can't answer that question. So weird. I, it's weird because... You know what's you know what's so weird is they broke up DIY when they would have been perfect like baby face tag team. Yeah, that's another one. Holy shit! <laughs> like they could have called them that's up. Another major one. And then they like right now the Hardys are going to be stuck in limbo even if they do finalize the rights to the broken gimmick they're going to be stuck in they're going to be stuck in limbo because until they turn another tag team face or create another tag team out of thin air, maybe Dean Ambrose and. Uh, Seth or Seth Rollins, maybe they're going to go that oh, route. Oh, and Enzo and Cash, they're gone. Yeah, I guess you might get you could get Big Big Show and Enzo with the way they're building this storyline. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know, man. It's kind of a weird scenario because now you're going to have like three heels all going for the title because the revival. You got to think that they're going to be Sheamus and Cesaro's next big challenge. So Sheamus and Cesaro going back to baby. Well, I guess they're working heel versus heel. I don't know what the hell they're going to do. It's so weird, man. I mean, it's like, did so so did uh, Vince come to Triple H, and he was like, Triple H! Hey, Vince, how's it going? I like the revival and break up DIY. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. Shut up on your side! Like, is that what happened? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, I think that they see DIY as being people that they can use in the mid card as singles competitors because they always, it's just like they always forget about t- the tag team wrestling in general. 
Um, but, you know, they are 205. If 205 goes out the window, they're probably going to build a bunch of tag teams off that stuff, would be my guess. They'll just put, like, you know, they'll put, like, Cedric Alexander and, like, Rich, Rick Swan together, and they're like, oh, they're a tag team. Because WWE loves to put, like, you know, race together. So you'll probably get, like, you know, Akira Tozawa and someone else. Like, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if you get a bunch of, like, out of that. Yeah. Like, that's going to be my guess of what they do with the majority of people that drop out of, like, when, when 205 gets shit-canned is they'll make them tag teams. And I've been saying that for a long time. Like, if you're not going to use yeah, you have. 205 constantly, just make them, like, put two of them together and make them a tag team like you did with Paul London and, uh, God, what is that other guy's name? But they were like a uh, Paul. Was it Paul London and uh, was it Paul London and Shane Helms? Jeez, it's gonna bother me now. I'm gonna have to look it up. I don't know. I was thinking uh, Brian Kendrick. Was it Paul London Kendrick and Brian Kendrick? Well. Yeah. So Paul London and Brian Kendrick were, you know, they were a great tag team. You know, the size didn't matter because of the way they worked in the ring. It, it, you know, so I mean, there's tons of stuff they could do. I just, I don't know. They don't care about the tag team division. They care about like the one tag team match at the pay per view. And they just build everything around that feud. Yep. But the problem is going to be it, the Hardy is going to be more over as single competitors as soon as they get this broken gimmick, and then no one's going to give a shit about them being a tag team anymore. Um, I don't think Vince is going to continue to put push them as a tag team with that gimmick. Like he's going to eventually he's going to want to split. He's going to want to split them apart. Even if they don't get that gimmick, he's going to want to split them apart so that Jeff is more towards the top of the card. I would almost guarantee that. Yeah, and not only, I mean, he knows now also he can probably have a very, very valuable mid-card uh, asset when it comes to Matt Hardy because how over he is, too. So regardless, without the broken gimmick, I, I definitely agree with you. They're not going to be a team for much longer. I just, I find it very strange. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't really have words for it. This is stuff that Vince McMahon does that, uh, you know, is whatever. Uh, if I, well, if, it were if it's all him or, you know, is it, is it just the fact that no one wants to tag together anymore? Like, is, you don't really, I mean, with outside of the Young Bucks and a few other tag teams on the indie scenes, you just don't hear a lot about yeah. tag teams in general. Like, tag team wrestling has kind of taken a backseat over the years, which is unfortunate. Like, when you think about some of the great teams that we've had recently, like Motor City Machine Guns and the Wolves and the Young Bucks, and it's like all, you know, the Young Bucks have made an entire career being a tag team. There's nothing wrong with being a tag team. Like, Rock and Roll Express and oh. Express forever. And those matches are fucking awesome. So, like, if you can be the best tag team, be the best tag team. Like, I, would, I would have much rather American Alpha stayed together than do the storyline and actually, you know, did more. Um, but you know, people just, uh, it seems like maybe hardcore fans like tag wrestling a lot better than, you know, your casual fans is my only guess for that. I don't know, but tag team wrestling has always been, you know, some of the best, best matches or in my opinion, some of the best NWA matches were rock and roll express versus the midnight express. Even going back to like, uh, you know, some of the Tully and Arn matches are completely amazing. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like if I was a performer and I knew I was going to be in the mid card versus being in like a top tier tag team, I'd want to be in the top tier tag team. No, and I agree. You said two names uh, individually. 
Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson especially are considered like wrestling gods to a lot of people. And they honestly are best as a tag team. Uh, Arn was a great tag team partner. They just got it. That's where the Revival gets all of it. That's, that's why we like the Revivals because they're so similar to that old school tag team, you know, uh, in the ring, obviously. I, I, I don't know. I mean, if it, were up, if it were up to me, if we were to do this whole entire thing, Chris, where if it were up to me, 205 would be cut. Uh, I would make the Cruiserweight, I would put that on Raw, like we've talked about, uh, as their third kind of mid-card title. Um, this would probably be near the brand split, and I would do some changing so you're not sending a lot of third title guys over to Raw as much as SmackDown. Um, I would then I would then have the Cruiserweight title as a third title for people to run for, for that, and still have interacting things. There's a three-hour show. If SmackDown needs another title, you know, I don't think it will because it's a two-hour show, obviously, but maybe give it a TV title. You know, or pick up one of those for, for a third title for people to fight for on that, that thing. Maybe the UK title, if you don't use it as a second title on NXT, which is what I think they should do. I don't know. It just, it, it seems like they, they can figure out a way to keep stuff and also condense and make sense towards everything. Shit, all you need really is one more cruiserweight. Maybe, maybe just two is good. I mean, if you're just like, you know, going over the title, two or three matches on the thing, like they used to on, on Nitro, start it off have those within there, maybe one that's bigger towards the end of the show, and go from there. It's, I don't know. It just, it just, it just dumb. I know at 205, half the reason was to have, let these guys have actual matches. Um, and I hope they don't limit him in this whole entire thing. Cut a couple of stupid promo. No, no not even promo. Backstage bullshit instead of hindering another match being more than nine minutes long. But that's another fucking argument for another day. You want to keep on going with this, Chris? Yeah, I mean, one cool thing is, I mean, I really liked the tournament aspect of the Cruiserweights. And I think it would be cooler if they just did, brought these guys in every couple of months, just like they did, would do any other other indie wrestler, expanded on that and did a cup or something as opposed to a Cruiserweight belt and just gave you good content on the network and then put that that final match promote it on all your shows and put that final match on Raw or SmackDown or whatever pay-per-view is coming and just coincide it with your big events like SummerSlam or Royal Rumble or WrestleMania and then build it like you've done the UK title, like, you know, keep it on NXT and, and do matches or do whatever you want to do. But they're never going to get, the Cruiserweights are never going to get the attention they deserve on Raw because so much of the top talent does some of the same shit the Cruiserweights do in the ring. Like, the day where cruiserweights were completely crazy, like, WCW was a completely different, it was completely different because all your top guys were big dudes, like Hogan, Steiner, Luger, uh, Nash, Hall, they're all bigger guys, they're not going to fly around the ring, whereas, like, when Seth Rollins and Finn Balor's, like, two of your top guys, they all kind of do cruiserweight-esque stuff anyways, so, like, the difference between the products not that high. So, making it its own separate thing, building a tournament off of it, I think works better. Maybe putting some of these guys in tag teams. Um, by having a title that's just labeled the cruiserweight title with a 205 weight class, I think hinders it. I think if you made it, like, a 225 weight class and called it, like, a light heavyweight title, similar to what they do in Japan, which we've talked about before, I think that works a lot better. Yeah. Or if you just did, it, did like, a G1 Cup and did it, like, you know, every quarter, do it every four months, 
do it, do another cruiserweight tournament and then build on that. I think that that's uh, cooler. And then you can tie those matches in your pay-per-view and you're still giving the crowd. If you're giving them, you know, three weeks of tournament every four months, the quality that they're getting is better than what they're getting on a weekly basis on 205 Live anyways. Like, it, it, I can't think of a single match. Maybe outside of that Akira Tozawa, Brian Kendrick match, I can't think of any match that was better than the matches in those tournaments that they've had since they brought them up to the main roster and gave them their own show. So it, it's kind of a weird thing where it's like, you know, make it special, make it a tournament, and then do it quarterly, do it, do it, handle it similar to how, even if you wanted to do something where you did it in blocks similar to what New Japan does, I think you could do a lot cooler stuff. Or if they wanted to do 205 and just call it, you know, make it monthly as opposed to after every show on SmackDown or, or however they wanted to handle it. But they need to do something different. I don't want to see it cut completely, but it's not different enough from their main product. It's not given enough attention and then also, it's not on live TV. It's on the WWE Network. So you're still you're trying to convince people to switch from their TV, from their normal lives, to whatever device that they watch the WWE Network on, which may be a computer. Um, it could be a smart TV. It could be anything. But, like, you're still giving someone the choice of, like, hey, do I really want to go through all this to switch to watch 205 Live, which – I just don't think it works. I, like I said, like you said, I think it would be better if you're going to go the route of continuing 205 Live. It just needs to be a part of Raw, more than likely, and do it in the first hour or however you want to handle it. Maybe throw some other matches in there um, and split it up. But I, I don't think the separate show works, and I don't think the wrestlers on 205 Live get enough attention. And that roster is – the people that they have signed to it, there's a lot of fucking people on that roster. Yeah. Well, they'd have to get rid of some, man. I mean, there's nothing that you could do or a once-in-a-while match, or if it is a part of Raw, you know, the Raw-based um, uh, non-televised shows. Uh, you know, you could add those guys, kind of like what Kurt Hawkins and all those guys have done and uh, what's his name, basically the Miztourage. Uh Not saying anything bad about those guys. They're both good wrestlers. Shit happens. Bo Dallas is who I think it up. But, I mean, if you, if you have a Cruiserweight title and you make it prestigious, Enough. I mean, and let me say, it, Neville. If Neville was the champion of the cruiserweight title, and they had it like at the beginning of the the like we're saying at the beginning of Raw, and it was mixed in there, and Finn Balor, who's also on Raw, decided to challenge him for it and become a cruiserweight champion. You know, if if you have enough guys that people are, then Neville says, "Fuck it, I'm going to go for the uh, the world title." You know, if you have this thing that WCW kind of had, even though they never did, but certain guys got pushed higher than others. You know, the possibility that people can go from the, these three titles they have on the show, the Intercontinental, this, and the Cruiserweight. I like your idea of making it the light heavyweight, but then you just don't have the Cruiserweight anymore. So it's like, it's just weird. It's a weird situation, man. It really is. I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, I don't think more titles will help, but it gives guys something to fucking work for uh, instead of just, like, standing around with their hands in their pants. Uh, like we said, to the... Brand split. Let's move on yeah. to the next match. This is yeah, actually, yeah. This is actually, I mean that, that's why I was. That's why I said I thought that the tournament worked so well, and that this overall idea, I think, at this point has failed, and that maybe they should go to like a a tournament. Even if you wanted to keep your champion on main TV and have him work matches and just have your champion be on every product or whatever, 
and then do your tournaments just like you do G1, and whoever wins that, they get a title shot. And just handle it on a quarterly basis as opposed to, like, a weekly basis. Because I just I, – I don't see what they're doing working, no matter how they break it up at this point. So weird, strange. Oh, well, let's just say screw it and get to the actual the first match, Chris, on this actual right. card. Um, yeah, I don't think we're going to be doing Raw SmackDown tonight, guys. This is kind of more important. Maybe we'll go over some highlights. But uh, the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match between the New Day and the Uggos, I mean the Usos, uh, who killed the New Day when they did the rap battle, that shit was hilarious. Uh, but uh, not only do I think they're going to be killing the New Day with the rap battle, but I think the Usos are going to retain their title and bring this whole entire thing to SummerSlam. Um, I kind of see them pulling some stupid heel bullshit, maybe not going to count it out, but hitting one of them with blatantly with a uh, chair, something to that extent. Usos go over. They will then have their title at SummerSlam for a, tr- a third match, and the New Day will finally win. Do you think that might be the case, Chris? I do think that's going to be the case, and I think it'll end up being like a no-DQ match at SummerSlam with probably Xavier Woods banned from ringside because they'll have to work in some kind of stipulation where it's like the New Day can't cheat. (laughs) Because the thing about the New Day, like half of their title run, they they cheated to win like the entire thing, even though they were the good guys. So... um, I think that's where it'll end up. And, you, I mean, the Usos have done a really great job since they got the titles from American Alpha. So I have no problem with them winning this match. I, I think it's a smart move. And, you know, when they put the titles back on the New Day, I think they're going to try to probably have them break their previous record. So I would keep it on the Usos as long as, as, long as you can. So then they're, after they beat their record the second time, Demolition is going to come for them, and they're going to kill them with the powers of pain. All old as shit. Doesn't matter. They're going to fucking destroy them. Anyways. Um, well, I mean, I mean, they could, do, they could do something where, like, they get 200 days into the title reign and they lose, but they're going to be pushing, like, we're going to beat our previous title. Like, whenever they win the titles, that's going to be a thing, and I expect yeah. them to hold it for a while. I'm just glad that they don't hot shot the tag titles as much as they do the fucking normal titles. So, <laughs> if they can keep that going, I'm fine. Dude, what's wrong with someone having a reign with a title for a while, you know? I mean, I completely think that's the case. Although, we're happy that the whole what we thought was going to happen to Brock Lesnar might not be happening at the same time, so... I guess it depends on the circumstance. Uh, let's go to the next match. Shinsuke Nakamura versus Baron Corbin. I've been liking what's been building with these guys. I like Baron Corbin. He's getting better on the mic. He's got great finishing moves. Um, he also has the money in the bank. He's going against Shinsuke. I really, really like Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, man, I've got it into it with people about they think that Shinsuke sucks, and I'm just like, God, I just hate that if someone doesn't get treatment immediately and push and has a calling from a bunch of other people. Like, nah, he's a he's a bad wrestler. All right, whatever. Anyways, Shinsuke is going to be going against Baron. It should be a good match. Um, I could see some cheap bullshit thing with Baron winning. Um, I could see him beating him actually just straight up. I could see Shinsuke because they're trying to build Shinsuke beating Baron Corbin. I don't really know what they're doing. I can even see Shinsuke somehow calling out Baron Corbin before the match about his uh, thing, 
and Baron Corbin putting his um, his Money in the Bank thing on on the line, and then possibly still Baron Corbin beats him just to throw everyone off. I've, I honestly think that Baron Corbin's going over, uh, which is weird because it's Shinsuke Nakamura, but I don't know why he would win unless he beats him and then Baron Corbin beats him at SummerSlam, something like that. Chris? I think Baron Corbin's going to win somehow through, like, a bullshit – well, I think Nakamura's going to win, but it's going to be through, like, a bullshit DQ. Maybe he walks Wait out or he hits the briefcase. Are um, they setting us up for all heels to win again, Chris? Like with the last two pay-per-views? I think Becky might win this five-way elimination, so I don't want to go that far. <laughs> but yeah, maybe. <laughs> Actually, when I well, no, because AJ just won the title, so I don't see him dropping the title. So, um, but Rusev and John Cena, Rusev's. Let me throw this booking out for you, and you let me know if you think it sucks or not. So you have Nakamura versus Baron Corbin. Mm-hmm. Baron Corbin hit, blasts him with a briefcase. You have Shane McMahon or Daniel Bryan come out, say, okay, that's fine. You you won the match, but the next pay-per-view, you've got to defend the Money in the Bank briefcase, right? So then like later that. on in the night, Baron Corbin cashes in and beats – Jinder Mahal for the title, which sets up Nakamura versus Nakamura versus Baron Corbin for the title and gets Jinder out of the title picture, or sets up a three-way, however they wanted to work it. But I think that's more intriguing than what they're actually going to do. So, I like your I like your concept a hell of a lot more than what they're actually going to do. Um, I don't know. This is a this, this is a weird match, but like I'm looking at all these things, I just like notice this out of nowhere. Like, all right, Usos are probably gonna win. All right, they're they're gonna lose, but it's gonna be in DQ, so it fucks the baby faces over. Baron Corbin's probably a very very good chance he could win. Uh, even though you said Becky Lynch for the women's five match, I personally think that something with Tamina and Lana is gonna happen, and Lana's gonna end up winning or something like that because of what they're building between the two of them. That would be heels well, losing again. It's, a, it's elimination, right? So it's a five-way elimination oh, yeah, that's match. True. The only reason I said Becky. If it was just like a bullshit, like whoever gets pinned first wins, then I could see them going with Lana. But because it's going to be an elimination match, I think it might. I might. We. I think they tease that it's going to come down to Charlotte and Becky, and they're either. I think they're either going to put over Charlotte or Becky. I could see that. Um, I could definitely see that. All right, so, all right, Babyface win. They probably win for this one, too, the United States Championship. I don't think Kevin Owens is getting it back. Who knows? Maybe he does get it back immediately. It's Kevin Owens. That's why I like him as a heel is because it is a little bit unpredictable, though. Uh, I don't see it happening, but it could. I still think they're going to be doing AJ versus John Cena at SummerSlam for the U.S. title. And I think AJ's going over there, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Uh, John Cena versus Rusev. I see Rusev winning. I think that they, they kind of put that in stone a little bit with what happened. Um, and I also think Jinder Mahal is going to beat Randy Orton in the Punjabi prison um, and retain the championship. So just like we kind of noticed the last two pay-per-views, especially the last one, Vince McMahon is all about them heels, isn't he? Yeah, for the most part. Um, well, I mean, even even if they do a – do a run-in with Baron Corbin for this Punjabi prison match. I, Jinder Mahal's still probably going to end up 
it's it's still going to end up on a heel. So I mean, I I don't I don't know that Rusev is going to beat John Cena. I think I might disagree on that one. I think John Cena is going to win that. So it's going to be. I think this one's yeah. might be fifty. Because you're going to have John Cena go over AJ Styles, then either Becky or Charlotte, and then then a bunch of heel finishes outside of the kickoff show, probably. Yeah, I feel you. But I, I, I mean, I could be wrong. Uh, I don't know. They may be like, fuck it, Rusev's winning against John Cena. But John Cena just talked about September 11th yesterday, so I don't think John Cena's losing this match. Don't you think? Do you think honestly that was a bit much? Like he had a third, like I, he's gonna because it's September 11th. He's gonna he's gonna do this. I'm like, all right, man. Like, well, do you think he writes his own stuff? Of, he didn't say because of like, September 11th. That's why he was gonna beat Rusev's ass or anything. It was just like the fact that he referenced it, and he referenced like every like stereotypical country singer, red, white, and blue propaganda you could think of. <laughs> When, like, the actual answer is, like, John Cena should want to beat Rusev's ass because he's Rusev. And John Cena has already feuded with Rusev for, like, years. I don't think that you needed to build any other kind of angle around that. Like, John Cena, the reason Rusev should want to beat John Cena is John Cena is the one that took the title from him and broke his undefeated streak. John Cena doesn't like Rusev because he just doesn't like Rusev. Like, I don't, you don't need the flag match, like, a fucking hate all that. It's, I don't know. You're, it's the same storyline as Ginger versus Randy, which makes it even worse. Except for not a flag match. It's like, well, all of a sudden, Ginger is from Punjabi, Punjabi, India, and is in a Punjabi prison match. So it's, and by the way, I didn't just make that up. Look at the title card from yesterday's SmackDown. It literally said he was from Punjabi, India, when in fact he's from <laughs> Canada. He's Canadian. And, and they have actively said he was Canadian on TV before. But we'll, we'll oh, my yeah. God. Move forward. There's actually – there was a rumor going around that um, – what's what's his name? Um, there's going to be some type of interference with uh, the great Kali or some shit, and that's the reason why he loses. But it's like a one-night thing. Um, I don't before know. We, before we I, move forward in this, can I just talk about how stupid it is for Jinder Mahal to request this match? Because yeah. the only reason he's still champion or won the championship is because of the Bali boys. So he's going to lock them outside of the ring so that he can have a wrestling match with Randy Orton. Like, the point of this match makes no sense for how he's been booked, like, the entire rest of the time. Unless he, like, made a stipulation that it's a prison match and Randy Orton has to fight all three of them at the same time it makes Jinder Mahal like a fucking idiot. Like, if yeah, you ask no, me for a stipulation too. match, like, a stipulation match usually fa- favors the good guy because the good guy is like, okay, well, now it's no disqualification because I know you're going to cheat. Or now it's a cage match, so you can't get away from me and no one can get in. Instead, they're like, here's this match designed for, like, a good guy. But that heel is only one using his friends, so it's like, the fuck is this dude thinking? Like, he's the dumbest heel of all time. I Sorry, I, I had to get that off my I chest. Was, no, I, I agree with you. I, th- I felt similar to the concept of having your main talent who's, uh, you know, going for the title, the universal, no, the world title. I don't remember. Fuck off. Um, WWE. And, yeah, 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 WWE. Um, 
And the fact that throughout his promo, which he did great, and the whole entire thing is like him as a slithering snake going up it, really, really cool visually. I'm just saying, why the fuck would you get Randy to fucking climb that slowly and stand in certain places for a fucking part on SmackDown? Like, that seemed really dangerous and not really thinking, because that's, that's towering over. And if he moves a little bit closer, even though it looks like fucking bamboo, it's metal painted, obviously. I mean, it just, there's, maybe I'm just being like a, uh, you know, a grandmother watching his, his grandchildren. I don't know. Well, what do you think, Chris? I mean, it, it was fine. Randy is a professional. I don't think he's just going to, like, fall and kill himself or anything. But, yeah, like, um, I don't know. That entire match is stupid. Like, if I was Jinder Mahal and they were like, what kind of match do you want? I would just do what the Usos did and have a normal-ass match and then just walk out of the ring immediately. Like, why the fuck? <laughs> why would you want to be locked in a cage with Randy Orton? <laughs> Well, Especially a reason, case man. has like, can we talk about the rules of this match? There's six individual doors. They yep. only open for 60 seconds apiece, right? So once they open, they don't them. open again. Yeah, but they only open for 60 seconds. So once it closes, it never opens again, right? Is that the gimmick? Yep. Okay, yep. so they're going to be battling. There's going to be one door left to be open. Two doors, possibly. And then they have to battle outside of the ring on top. There's no way this match is going to be good. Like, it's hard enough for Jinder Mahal to have a good, normal match. Like, these, when you start convoluting like, oh. rules, you're, you're, you're getting into the scenario where we had this tag team cage match the other day with the Hardys. Like, when you start overcomplicating rules, it's going to be fucking awful. And the worst but, part of that you know match, what, Chris? the performers were great, but the, the match itself was just too convoluted. Do you know, you, know you know what's great about the Punjabi prison? Is they're probably putting that shit in WWE 2K17. I mean, 18. That shit's going to be <laughs> so much fun to play. It'll be, like <laughs> It'll be more fun to play game. than it's going to be to watch. Definitely more oh, fun yeah, to play than it is. Because I could probably kick him off the fucking top of the goddamn, all the way to the ground. Oh, that would be interesting. All right, so um, that is basically the Battleground card. Uh, do you have any other comments about this whole thing, Chris, before we move on to a couple uh, recaps of Raw SmackDown? No, but I do want to say um, well wishes to Shane McMahon, who survived a plane, oh, yeah. plane landing in the middle of the ocean. We didn't mention that earlier, but like that's scary, and I'm glad he's okay. I'm really happy Shane's okay. Love Shane O'Mac. Here comes the money, man. You know. Um, the first thing I read about but, uh, that was a tweet was like Shane Max doing bumps off helicopters in the middle of the ocean. And I was like, what the fuck? And then I like looked it up and it was like, helicopter had an emergency landing. And I was like, that's messed up. Yeah, that's that's not good. I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm glad that, uh, you know, like we said, he's okay. Um, trying to think. Of uh, what 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 exactly on Raw we can talk about really quickly? All right, I'm I'm gonna look at well, we this. Talk- uh, well, we, we talked about the main. I mean, the main on Raw, which was the Kurt Angle, and we've already kind of talked about the Punjabi Prison as well from SmackDown. So yeah, all right, I, I'm I'm gonna give you a wrestling match for you to uh, think about who would win, and I'm gonna go through this real quickly myself. Okay, sounds good. Okay. All right. All right, uh, Jerry Lawler, Memphis, Tennessee, wrestling days. 
versus Stone Cold Steve Austin Attitude Era in Tennessee back in the day. Who who's uh who do you got over there? Well, if it's in Memphis, so. Jerry's going over, man. Because he's probably even if those. So. <laughs> we're, but remember, we're on like a super neutral zone where Attitude Era lives on the same. Like they they both got their hype, if you will. You know what I'm saying? Well, Jerry the King Waller was a professional in WWF, so I think he would realize that uh, Steve Austin fucking massively over, and he'd probably put him over. So probably Stone Cold. Okay, I like that. All right, so what do you but feel about the going back to the territory? Going back to the territories. If you're going back to the territories, Jerry's going the fuck over though in that match. Hundred percent in Memphis. <laughs> Yeah, I could see that too. I like I like the idea. Someone compared I think it was Stone Cold compared himself. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Um Enzo Moore, the whole thing him and, and Big Cast, where the fuck are they going with this? Is Enzo just gonna like represent the big show and then they're gonna do like a tag team after that and Big Cast gonna go on the big title or try to go for the title, you know, Mr. Test. Chris. I'm assuming they're going with the big show because they can't they can't give Enzo Amore a win on his own because that's going to bury Cass, even though Enzo, if you were booking this like a normal wrestler versus wrestler, Enzo would eventually win, you know, against big Cass, but they're not going to do that. So closest you're probably going to get his big show is probably going to win the match because Enzo interferes or something weird like that. Some reverse ass booking that won't make any sense. Probably. Feel bad for Enzo. I don't think Cass is going to go that far without fucking Enzo as his mouthpiece. Um, all right, so uh, how about this whole entire Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins? What the fuck's going on with this? They they have a two-on-three against the Miz of Taraj for next week. You know, I told you that scenario. I was hearing that Johnny Mundo was trying to make his way into something else. He's looking for somewhere else to go because apparently Triple A also did piss him off because his girlfriend had to drop the title to uh, Sexy Star. Um, so there was some bullshit with that, some backlash. Might have to do with his actual, now that I think about it, him going to TNA. Um, but anyways, I was like, hey, they could bring someone out of Miz's past. That'd be a cool way to introduce him onto the show platform. Three of them seem very, very, like, much more makes sense for them to, against the Miz Taraj than if they had the Shield against it. That would be ridiculous. So I don't know. Is the Shield getting back together? What do you think? I honestly, the only way they would put the show back together is if they wanted to turn one of those guys heel, probably either Ambrose or Reigns. And Roman just doesn't need them because he's like actively fighting the entire roster by itself most of the time. So I, I just don't see them. I mean, I've said it before. I just don't see them putting them back together. They might like when it comes to Survivor Series or something again. Now that they're all on the same brand, I could see them all being together for like a one-off Survivor Series thing. But more than likely, they're building towards Ambrose versus Rollins with those two turning on each other, and then they can move Miz on to something else because they've got to bury this Dean Ambrose storyline and get those two apart because the thing's been going for like seven, eight months at this point. I was kind of hoping that, and I mean, I think that your scenario makes more sense, but I was hoping that Seth Rollins is inevitably going to go against the Miz and get the IC title. I think he'd be a great intercontinental title champion. I think he'd bring a lot of prestige to it. Not that the Miz doesn't, but kind of like how, Ke- of, uh, well, the switch off between Kevin Owens and AJ Styles. It's the same exact type of concept. But, you know, your thing, getting the two of them to go against each other, turning uh, Dean more into Bill Moxley, fuck yeah, I'm down for it. 
All right, let's go to another uh, thing that happened. I just, I just think it gives you, it gives you something to do with sin or something to do with Elias Sampson. It gives, it gives Miz yeah. someone else to elevate that's a little lower on the card than uh, like Seth or Dean. Like Seth and Dean can just brawl with each other for a while, and I think everybody will enjoy that just because they used to be in the Shield together and they're going to have good matches. So, I think they would go that route. Well, great transition. Finn Balor went against Elias Sampson. Uh, he cut him off during a song. The match was pretty good back and forth. Very stiff match on Samson's end. Actually, Ballard's pretty stiff himself. But it ended with outside. Finally, Samson pulled a Jeff Jarrett honk-stomp man and hit Ballard over the fucking head. You could tell in the slow-mo, and, and Chris, you were the one who pointed this out, that he was trying to go for the shoulder, and he nailed him on the head. And that was definitely a real authentic goddamn guitar that was smashed over someone's head that had a minor concussion from Jinder Mahal. Does that mean, from all this, that Samson's now going to have the title in a week? One can only hope, right? Who wants to walk with Elias? Um, no, that was a crazy I, spot. I'm surprised that they did it. Uh, I know he was trying to hit his shoulder, but that guitar is... I'm, they should have. If they're going to do it, they should have used a gimmick guitar. Um, I don't think that he played at the beginning. I think they had the strings off of that guitar because um, I complimented his guitar playing because I was like, "Oh, he learned how to play some other shit." I should have known better. I should have known right then and there he was going to hit him with a guitar at some point. But yeah, he he whiffed it and it hit Finn Balor and it cut Finn Balor open, which kind of sucks. But Finn seems okay. He's not getting concussion or anything, so we'll we'll. Well, continue forward, I guess. It's weird that they're going straight well, to Bray. That, that was weird. Yeah. I was about to say the same thing. And then afterwards, the poor guy's going to stand there. He had to get a shitload of stitches. They showed the pictures afterwards um, on his Twitter, uh, or maybe his Instagram, one of those fucking things. Um, and uh, then he had to just bleed out, listen to Bray Wyatt do his whole, hey, man, you know what I'm saying, man do that whole thing over and over again. And I just kind of feel also like I'm excited to see them finally go against each other. I know the demons coming out. If him and Bray are going to like go back and forth until SummerSlam, that's a great SummerSlam match, but I feel like it could have been started a hell of a lot sooner. Like there's been like little specks of Bray Wyatt fucking over Finn Balor. And now it's kind of, it just seems kind of like not as, not as great as when the concept was originally thrown out there to me. Um, do you feel kind of similar to that? I think it works just because they haven't shown Finn Balor as a demon yet. So I think that'll just get people back into it. As soon as he puts that fucking face paint on and cuts a promo, people are going to lose their shit. All right, all right. So I'm going to ask you, um, basically, between Bailey and Sasha Banks, the match that was made between the two of them from Kurt Angle for next week, who is winning that to go for the title against Alexa Bliss. I would actually, at this point, because Sasha T is going heel for so long, I would turn Bailey heel and have her do a full-on crazy Mickey James kind of gimmick from back when Mickey James was crazy against Trish Stratus and, like, just have her fucking snap but still come out for, like, the happy music and shit. But that's not what they're going to do, so they're probably going to put Sasha over and Bailey will return to obscurity. Poor Bailey. I, I agree with you, though, completely. All right, how about the Revival and the Hardy Boys? If they set up a match at SummerSlam, which I assume they are between the two teams, are the Hardy Boys going to be finally broken, or at least, if not broken, broken up, 
at the end of all this? Or are they going to win somehow? I honestly think uh, with this one, you're probably going to get the Hardys catching a loss to the Revival. Um, they might get a win beforehand, before the pay-per-view, but I'm assuming the Hardys are going to lose in a similar fashion uh, in the ways that they've lost recently, which is the one-second count. They continued that. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but they kind of continued that uh, last week as well against Anderson and Gallows mm-hmm. with them being beat up and, and Jeff not being there to make the save with on on the two counts. So I think they're going to keep doing that, and the Hardys are going to go through a little bit of a loss streak, which is good for the other tag teams because beating the Hardys will get you over. But it is eventually going to hurt the Hardys if everyone knows they're going to lose each week. So I'm assuming they're going to do some singles matches, and the Revival they are probably going to cheat and keep jumping them until the Hardys eventually get a win, and then they'll lose the pay-per-view. And if all the rights are settled, that's maybe when you get the broken Hardy tag team and – and uh, they go down that route. And the Revival, they have, at least they have Anderson Gallows and uh, the Revival again to go against, and then they can make their way back to Sheamus and Cesaro if they keep the titles. I can definitely see that happening. Um, all right, so the last, uh, the last match. How did you like this match between Roman Reigns and uh, Samoa Joe? I thought it was a very well, you know, back-and-forth match for what it was. Uh, he basically hit him with a Superman punch. Uh, bring him to his knees towards the end, and then as soon as that happened, brah, Braun Strowman comes out, lands a spine buster on Reigns, power uh, slams each man, um, and then he just keeps on just mercilessly just fucking bolt them up, power slam them a couple times more. I thought it was fun. I want to see the four monsters fight each other at SummerSlam. I'm going to be kind of aggravated if any of them are taken out of it. It just makes sense to have all four of them fight. Maybe elimination style. I don't know. Chris, how, how did you like the match, and what do you want to see from this with uh, SummerSlam? I liked, I, liked, uh, I liked everything about the match. I thought it was pretty good. I, I liked that they brought Braun back into the fold, but I honestly wish they would have had Samoa Joe choke Braun out after the beatdown just to further Samoa Joe's character. Because I honestly don't think if he like caught Braun from behind and choked him out that it would hurt Braun that much, but it would definitely help Samoa Joe like immensely. It would make him look like a, a monster slayer, and he need that's what he needs to look like. Because when you look at that that matchup and you're like Braun Lesnar Reigns and then Samoa Joe, he looks like the little guy in the match, and you gotta make you gotta continue to it's make amazing, it amazing. Like, yeah. You gotta make it look like Joe is gonna kill you. Like he's gonna choke. He he will choke you out. So they need to continue to do that. And if they do it next week and he chokes Braun out, I'm totally, I'm totally okay with that. But they they I thought they missed a golden opportunity to put him over on choking out Braun. Um, he honestly needs the title. Like Samoa needs the title. He needs to win. But they won't do it because they're fucking stupid. He's the best promo and one of the best wrestlers on their brand. And they're gonna have him like job probably. So. I'm disappointed. Uh, don't say that. Put a little nervous as I have with Cesaro sometimes too. Like I really like Cesaro as a wrestler and a personality, and I feel like he's wasting in the tag division. But some guys want to just be a part of the tag division, right? You know, you can't. Uh, you, you don't even know. You have no idea. So uh, with SmackDown, Chris, I think that we kind of covered pretty much everything on there since we were doing the uh, counter. Uh, pay-per-view thing. So, 
don't have to really go into that, um, but it, it's been a fun time in wrestling. Might have to like exit this uh, whole thing out a little bit early. Uh, definitely check out everything on Geek Flaps Live, everyone. Um, every Saturday we have a new show. Uh, we got a we have guests up the wazoo next month. Really excited about that. And then also check out Wrestling Geeks Alliance, the show you're listening to every Wednesday from eight o'clock till ten. That is our platform. That's how long we last, and that's how much fun you have. And, uh, yeah, definitely have the whole Geek Vibes uh, contest going on. So go find the uh, post from Juwan, and all you have to do is take a picture of yourself with the Geek Vibes hand signal. It's a V. Uh, very much it's like time. Vader. It's, it's Vader time. time. So uh, do that. And, um yeah, Chris, I, I guess we're, we're ending kind of early. I mean, it's only like three minutes, but still, it seems early. But um, it was great having you on, man. It was good talking to you. Hope you have a tremendous week. Uh, say to the people what you want to say. You can tell them anything. Promise. Okay. Well, everyone, I guess, have a great week. And uh, if you don't have anything else going, check out John Morrison. If you haven't watched Johnny Mundo in a while, Check out uh, the very first episode of Lucha Underground with John Morrison slash Johnny Mundo versus Ricochet in the main event. Kind of see what he's been doing since then and how his uh, style's changed. That's a, that's a great one from two years ago. So check out that banger. And then also, if you get a chance, watch G, uh, GFW and uh, Global Force Wrestling and call in next week and let's talk about it a bit. And let me know if you think the changes are good or bad if you're an old TNA fan. That'd be awesome. Trying to get in TNA myself. I want to get, do, watch as much wrestling as I can. And uh, I will post what he was referring to. Uh, actually, you post that, Chris. I'm going to also post uh, two of his AAA matches, one against Pentagon Jr. For, for one of the titles, and one against Alberto uh, Patron. Both great matches. Uh, Jenny Mundo is a pass. So, actually, we get to the 90-second mark. That's not too bad at all. So, I'll start playing this music. And here comes we'll, the money. We'll get out of here. Let's do an okay show, Matt. All right, you guys have a good one out there. Keep five nation. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a good night. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 